I'm going to be reading from Mark 4, 13 through 29. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, and they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word. And it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit, thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to let, excuse me, to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, Pay attention to what you hear with the measure you use. It will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how the earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. God, we thank you for today. Thank you for your word. And we thank you for uh, Jesus who came and taught us, who was the uh, original and the divine sower of seed, who cast out seed for us to hear uh, your word proclaimed to us. So, Father, just as that crowd uh, on that day on the Sea of Galilee, beside the sea, uh, was receiving the word, we pray, God, that we would receive it. And God, we pray that uh, your word would go deep into our hearts and would grow and sprout and bear much fruit. Lord, we know apart from you, we can do nothing. And so we beg and we plead that your spirit would be at work in a way today that bears fruit. In Christ's name, amen. I heard a, uh, a minister share of a, a time he and a, a group uh, had been working, doing some development work in uh, in Africa. He was Italian, and his group was from Italy, and they were working to serve in various uh, poor and undeveloped, underdeveloped parts of Africa, seeking to, to meet the needs. They had, they had seen and heard uh, a lot of the needs that they, you know, across the different places and different parts of the continent. And so they were doing what they can to help meet those needs. And they were working with a group in Zambia and realized that along this river in Zambia was a very fertile piece of, of land. It had, it had lots of potential, and yet they weren't growing anything on the land. And so the Italians started working to help bring agriculture to this group in Zambia so that they could meet some more of their own needs and grow their own food, and maybe even sell because it was such fertile. Maybe they would have an overflow and an abundance that they could sell. So they, they started working, they brought in the, the right seeds and plants and that kind of thing, and they started working with the Zambians, and they were a little bit frustrated because the, the Zambians didn't really seem eager, they didn't seem excited. They had to actually pay some of these people to plant on their own land crops that they were going to grow. 
And they started getting a little bit frustrated about that. They finally did get it all in, and, and sure enough, the, the, the seeds sprouted, and it was growing. And the Italians said, this is growing twice as fast as it does in Italy. And they were very hopeful and excited about this crop that was going to grow. The Zambians all along seemed kind of nonchalant and not really excited about it, and they were curious what was going on. And about two weeks before the first major harvest, the Italians were all excited about two weeks, one day, 200 hippos come up out of the river and eat every bit of the crops. And the Italians just standing there stunned, like, what just happens? And the Zambians were like, of course, we, we knew this was going to happen. It's why we don't plant crops. But you never asked and you never listened to what we really need and what we really want. I wonder how often we come to God that way and we come to His Word that way. We assume we know the right answers. We assume we've got it all figured out and we know the solution and we never actually stop and listen. We may feel like we're hearing the Word of God. We may feel like we know what's going on. We, we, we've got it. And we stay busy and we just keep going and we never stop and ask and listen. Today we come to Mark chapter 4 and Jesus' question, He asks twice in this passage, or twice he says this statement, which then asks us a question. He says, He who has ears, let him hear. And that's kind of a funny thing for him to say. He says in verse 9 and verse 23, what he's saying is anyone who physically he, who has ears, anyone who can physically hear the sound of Jesus' voice, let him stop and actually hear what he's saying. The way we sometimes distinguish that is, are, are you just, can you hear what's going on, or are you really listening? I mean, you know the difference, right? I mean, every husband in the room, you know the difference, right? This is like a weekly discussion in my household where Amber says, hey, do you remember when I told you, you know, fill in the blank, you're supposed to do this, or, you know, whatever. And I go, nope. And she goes, she could quote me, like, you're standing here at this time in this place. These were the words I say. And I'm like, I believe you, you know, like I, I was there. I, my ears work. I, I can hear, but sometimes I'm not listening. That's a key distinction in our passage. As we're going through the first half of the Gospel of Mark this fall, we, we've seen Jesus do some pretty amazing things. He, he is working miracles. He's casting out demons. He has healed a, a leper who nobody else would touch. He heard a, healed a paralytic who has dropped down from the roof. And people have asked questions, and He's answered with wisdom. But in Mark chapter 4 is the first time He stops, gets in a boat, pushes back from the sea, sits down, and he teaches in his own way, in his own style for people to hear. And if you know Jesus, one of his favorite styles was to use parables. These seemingly very simple, ordinary stories that have profound meaning. The word parable comes from two words that means to throw alongside. And so the idea is he's using very simple, tangible things like seeds and soil. And he's throwing those tangible things out alongside a spiritual truth so that you can understand what Jesus is teaching. And in this case, he's teaching us using parables here about seeds and soils to say, who's, who's really listening? Who, who can hear my voice, but who is actually listening to what he has to say? We call this series Follow Me because Mark's fast-paced, close, up, uh, up, up close and personal account of Jesus' life is really a way for Mark to say to you what Jesus has said to his disciples, which is, follow me. And that's very similar to the way Jesus today in his parables is essentially saying, listen to me. 
listen to me. I want to ask you, who, who do you listen to? Who, who has your ear? There, there are probably some people in your life or, or spheres of influence that when they speak, you listen. Or when they speak in a certain way, you listen. I want to ask you if Jesus is one of those people. And see at the top of that list of the people you listen to. This parable is probably one of the most uh, famous and one of the most profound. Uh, or, or it's, it's simple, it's memorable. But I, what I don't want you to do is to hear this simple parable and say, I got it. I, I understand this parable. I've heard this one before. Because that's exactly who he's speaking against, is this idea of not really listening. He starts this parable with a, a, a sower or a farmer who's out scattering seed. He says in Mark 4, 3, he says, Behold, a sower went out to sow. And then when he goes out to, goes to explain the parable in verse 14, he says, The sower sows the word. So every time we hear the word seed, what we know he's talking about is the word, Jesus' message, his his proclamation of the gospel going out. And he's saying it's going out like a farmer would scatter seed. It's going out generously and abundantly. Jesus is proclaiming this message and he compares it to a seed. A seed is an an amazingly perfect metaphor for Jesus' message, for what he is proclaiming. Because it's such a great way of capturing what the word, what Jesus' word does. I mean, think about your words and all the words you use. I mean, the majority, we use thousands of words every day, right? And the majority of them are pretty mundane, even trivial. Like, you don't think about every single word that comes out of your mouth. But words have power. Think about the day, if you're married, that you stood looking at a fiancé in front of a minister and a crowd of people. And you, ush, you, you said two simple words, I do. Those two words created a new status for you. The speaking of those words changed a lot. Picture going into a, a courtroom and somebody puts their hand on a Bible and they say, I swear, right? Those words have power. Our words have tremendous power. How much more so Jesus' words? Take a, an acorn, right? You can pick any one of the 10 million of them that are in my yard right now if you want. You can come by. You can have all the acorns you want. You take an acorn. How, how simple and powerless is that acorn, right? You, you, you could drop it on the ground and smush it and stomp it. You, you would have no problem destroying that acorn. And yet, some of those acorns, hopefully no more in my yard, but other places, they get buried in the right spot, and they begin to sprout, and they grow And they have the power to withstand all kinds of elements, storms and all kinds of things for hundreds of years, outlasting you and me by hundreds of years, just from a little bitty acorn. Jesus compares his message, his proclamation to a seed. Some don't get it, but some do. And the root it takes has tremendous power. Jesus' words have an eternal power. And you and I may skim over words from here and there, but if we'll let them really take root, they change everything. Maybe it doesn't seem like much when you just, if you were there that day on the sea and listening to Jesus, and just a few minutes of a message coming from Jesus. Maybe, maybe you're used to coming here and you, know, you hear the, the message, you hear this, and you just, you know, it's just one more, one more sermon. Maybe you wake up tomorrow sometime during the week and you, you open up this Bible and there's some printed words on a page and you just kind of skim over. You don't think about it. But hear the power 
the Word of God can have. It's like a seed that if it's planted, it can change everything. As Jesus tells this parable, he, he tells a, a, a number of bad examples before he tells a good one. He spends the majority of his time on the bad examples in order to be able to understand the good one. So we'll do the same. We'll spend a majority of time on the negative so that we understand the positive. The first three types of soil he gives are, are, are ways that we don't want to respond to the word. But here's a, here's a way I would describe all of them. Like bad soil that bears no fruit, some hear, but don't listen to Jesus. Like bad soil that bears no fruit, some hear, but they don't listen. Now, if you know this parable, it, it's easy for us to skip to the fourth and just assume I'm the good soil. I know it's coming. The good soil, the last one, that's the good one. And I'm there. I'm in church, right? I'm, I'm, I'm doing the right thing. But, but even, if, even if you are, there's a temptation for all of us in these first three. Slow down and let, it, let, it hear, let, your, let your ears actually hear what Jesus is saying. Don't assume that you're the fourth without letting God's Word test your heart. Because for many, maybe even some here, this is our reality. This is who you are. This is where you are. So don't, don't skip over it. The first describes, the first soil is a, a seed that falls along a path. This is probably a walking path at the edge of the, the field. That is the, the farmer, the sower is out sowing seeds. Some of it falls on the path that's around the edges. And a, a, a seed on a, on a hard path is, is about as likely to grow a plant as if I put a marble out in our parking lot, right? It's hard packed. There's, it's not going to go into the soil. It's not going to get anything from it. And so Jesus explains who these people are in verse 15 when he says, and these, are the ones, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown to them. This first type of soil, these are path people, path soil people. These, these are people, path people are people who hear the word, but their heart is as hard as stone. Path people are the ones that hear it, but their heart is hard. They reject him completely. The, song, the seed has been sown, the seed is going out, and yet there is a complete rejection of the word. Maybe you've encountered people like that. You've shared the gospel. You've tried to invite them to church, and it's just nothing. There's no, no reaction at all. These are the people who, when they hear the proclamation, they just totally turn away from it. The Pharisees and the scribes in Jesus' day seem to have responded that way this far in Mark. They are totally rejecting everything Jesus here says. And I pray that's not true of us today, that we wouldn't be the people that totally reject it. I think there's also a warning for people, for all of us, in any given day. Because though the Word might be in you, God continues to sow seed. He continues to put His Word in front of you. And we can reject it flat out, can't we? On the days when I wake up to read my Bible, and kids were up multiple times, and I get lazy, and I just kind of stare at the page, you know, with a glossy look on my... The, the, the Word is right in front of me, and yet it's, nothing's going in. Nothing's going in. Do we have times in our lives, do you have times where the, the seed is going out, and you are rejecting it? Be careful not to be the people who are going through the motions... And just letting the seed bounce off of your heart. Don't be the people who hear the word and yet totally reject it. God's word goes out in all kinds of forms and it will never bear fruit if our hearts are not constantly receptive to his teaching. That's one type of bad soil, but unfortunately 
we come up with lots of ways to be bad soil. So he describes uh, another group, a uh, rocky group. Verse 5 and 6, he says, Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil. And immediately it sprang up, since it, but since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. So this is a part of the farmer's land that on the top it looks like it's okay, but under, right underneath the surface is a whole bunch of rocks. So he explains the problem in verse 16 and 17. He said, these are the ones are sown on the rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, and they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. But when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. This second type of bad soil, these are rock people. Rock people hear, but their response is shallow. They hear the word, but their response is shallow. In the Gospel of Mark, these are the people who have come to Jesus just looking for a miracle. They don't want Jesus Himself. They just want Him to do something for them. And then they have no intention of following Him. This might be the kind of people we see periodically. And many of us have been this person at one point or another. Who have responded emotionally and excitedly for Jesus in a moment. Maybe it was an altar call, a church camp, a mission trip. Where you get all fired up. And for good reason. Jesus is worth getting fired up about. But if that's it, if we stop there and never sink down deep roots, and we don't let God remove the rocks out of our hearts, then when trials and tribulations come, we will be scorched like a plant when the sun is too hot. When financial struggles or relational struggles or a loss of a loved one or the hardship of making it through 2020 hits your family and your life and your day-to-day, if you don't have deep roots that can sink down far into the ground looking for the water that we so desperately need, if you don't have those roots when hardship comes, then the sun is enough to scorch us out. If we truly love the Lord, we're going to be seeking Him, searching for Him, longing for Him. Our roots are going to go deeper not get dried up. I've heard a, a, a number of, uh, I heard a, a counselor, a Christian minister, talk about when things get hard, when things get challenging in marriage, you can go one or two ways, one of two ways, right? If there's a struggle, if there's a hardship, if you're butting heads, you can decide either to lean in to each other and figure it out, or that hardship, that struggle, that butting head can be the place where you start to lean away and push away. The marriages that make it are the ones that lean into it and say, okay, this is hard, but we're going to work through it. In your relationship with the Lord, when things get hard, when things get challenging, do you lean in or do you lean away? Do you come in and say, okay, I don't understand, I'm going to keep pursuing you, or do you run away from the Lord? 2020 has certainly brought many of ways that we're challenged and stressed. Do you, do you lean into that and say, Jesus, I need you all the more, or are you more likely to push him away? If so, then maybe our roots are not as deep as we thought they were. There's one other type of bad soil that Jesus speaks of. Uh, they've got okay roots, but the problem is they didn't get some other things out. They didn't get the thorns out. Verse 7, Other seed fell among thorns, and thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. So this is the thorny area, the place where there's some, some other plants, and those weren't uprooted. So Jesus explains why this is bad soil. It says 18 and 19, And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world 
and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it proves unfruitful. So that we've had path people, rocky people. These are thorny people. Thorny people hear the word, but their fruit is choked out by the pleasures of this life. There is so much fruit to be had, and yet this group of people is looking to other things to be satisfied. God wants blessings in a good and holy way, and yet we are so content to settle for the things of this world. This group hears the word preached, and they commit. They're in. They're going for it. Until there's a choice. I can, I can keep following Jesus, but now there's conflict. I've got this other thing I could do. Keep doing this or turn to the thorn. And this group is turning to the thorns. That, that you, could, you, could, you could fill in that thing with whatever it is. You know, I'm fine with Jesus as long as he doesn't interrupt my career, my family, my money, my time. Whatever, you can put anything in that blank. And if we don't hand everything over to Jesus... And we're saying, I'll turn to this when things get tight. As long as we can hear the word in our own way and do our own thing, we're fine with it. But when it starts to push us and challenge us and make us uproot some sin and some struggles in our life, then, then that's where this group feels the rub. The cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires of other things. These are all things that can crowd out God's word, word in our lives. Our world tells us, chase the American dream. Man, you gotta have you gotta have the nice house, you gotta have the newest car, the newest technology. They can all those things can all be thorns in our lives. Work can be more important than God's word when our schedule and our mental energy and all of our the best of us goes to that. Hobbies, exercise, even making our kids happy happy. We can turn anything into something that distracts and takes away from God's purposes in our lives. All the good things can be a part of the fruit of our lives as long as God is ultimate. And yet so often we let those things become thorns. Are you regularly in God's Word? Are you regularly hearing God's Word preached? Are you regularly in it on your own? Or is there something else in your life that's crowding out your time with the Lord and your time soaking in His, what he, his message for us? If so, then that thing is choking you out. It's a thorn that we've got to get out of our soil if we're going to bear fruit. Back in Mark 3, Jesus' own family should have been the first ones to receive Jesus, and yet they're the ones that seem to have other priorities, other thorns that are in their soil, and they're not following Him. Maybe our our bad soil is hard-heartedness or shallowness because of rocks or thorns because of other things that are choking us out. Those are all ways that like bad soil, we will not bear fruit because we're not truly listening. We're not truly hearing God's word. All bad, all bad soils that all keep us from bearing fruit. One of the reasons Jesus taught this parable, was taught using parables, was to figure out who's really listening. Who's really listening. You've, you may have noticed this, that uh, when people... I, the way I know people are genuinely reading God's Word, the way I know that they're not just saying it, but they're actually doing it, is they have questions. <laughs> the Bible is a, is, a, is a great book, but it was written a long time ago and has lots of confusing things in it, things that people have been studying for a long time. And I love it. I mean, it's a shallow, it's, 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 it's a safe place for anybody to wade in, like a shallow pool. 
but it's a deep ocean that we'll never get to the bottom of. So if you're genuinely reading the Word of God, you're going to have questions, right? And the way I know people are really reading it is they've got some questions. And people say, yeah, I'm reading it. I'm like, yeah, well, have you learned anything? What, what, what's confusing? I'm like, no, I got it, you know. Probably not reading it, you know. Here's Jesus teaching a parable. And you know who understands it immediately when he says it? Nobody. Nobody gets it. There's a group that doesn't get it, and they just kind of go away. But his disciples, when they hear it, they come and they ask him about it. They come and they ask him about it. It says in verse 13, uh, or in verse 10, it says, When he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. So the disciples and some other ones, they came and they asked him what's going on. Jesus is teaching this parable and says, He who has ears, let him hear. He, he's saying, you've you got you to come to me in order to understand what it really means. Only the disciples come to him and ask. Everyone else went away scratching their heads saying, I have no idea what he's talking about. But they just shrug it off, and they just go on. They're fine. They're fine with not understanding. But the disciples come, and they ask, what's this about? That's what he's explaining in verses 11 and 12. Essentially, he's saying the parables serve as a kind of filter. They kind of say, all right, who's in and who's out? He's teaching something profound, but people miss it. And so the teaching itself splits people in two groups. One group heard it. They didn't understand. They walked away. The other group heard it, didn't understand, and they came closer to Jesus. When things get hard, when things aren't clear to us, do we back away or do we lean in? Do we come in and say, I don't understand Jesus and I'm not going away until you explain what's going on. I need you. By teaching with a parable, he, he's, 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 he's giving us something that, that draws us to himself, not just sending us out with a little word of wisdom for the day. No, he, he's bringing us into relationship. Uh, uh, where we learn, where we grow, is not just by a, a, a devotional thought in the morning and a, and a key word to take through the day. We get to know Jesus by hearing His Word, wrestling with it, and saying, Jesus, I don't understand this. I, I see what you're teaching. I don't see how it applies to me. I, I don't like how it applies to me. Jesus, I need you to explain this to me. We come in, and we wrestle with it, and we come to know Jesus through it. That's what it looks like to be fruit-bearing soil. It's not that we understand the God's Word every time we hear it, every time it's taught, every time we read it, but that we come to Jesus looking for the answer. Are you leaning back or are you coming in? And that's what he describes about this good fruit. Verse 8, Other seed fell in good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. These are the ones, like Jesus explains in verse 20, who hear the Word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold, sixtyfold, and a hundredfold. So like good soil that multiplies, multiplies fruit, some truly listen to Jesus. Some truly listen. Everybody heard the message that day. Everybody heard the parable. Everybody heard the teaching, the soil and the seeds, and some just walked away and said, huh, interesting. But others really heard him, and they came to him, and they asked what it meant. Notice that he says this seed fell into good soil. The other ones had fallen alongside the path or on the rocky soil or among the thorns. But this is the first time the seed goes in. This is the first time the seed dwells inside the soil. If we're going to hear God's word like we're supposed to, it's got to come on the inside. You can, you can have seed bounce off of you. You can have the word of God bounce off of you all you want. 
but it will not change your life until it comes on the inside. If we never stop, receive it, meditate on it, chew on it, think it over, wrestle with it, deepen our hearts. If we never do that, we'll never grow. We'll never have fruit. But God's Word is like a seed. It has tremendous power, way more power than any acorn in my yard. But that is, it will not have an effect on your life it just, if it just stays on the outside. But if it comes on the inside, it transforms everything. Good soil people don't just hear the Word of God. They, they listen. They listen. Some of us struggle with being good listeners. I'm not just talking about the ones who are in the splash zone right now. All of us can struggle with being a good listener. Maybe you've had to, uh, the experience of having to repeat yourself a lot to somebody. You know how frustrating that is. You feel like you're saying it over and over again. Uh, if, if you and I go to eat, I, I may have said this here before, but I, I, and if I'm going to be at a restaurant and we're going to talk, I can't sit facing the television. It doesn't matter if it's totally you know, something useless. If, if it's a soap opera, children's program, doesn't matter. If it's right above your head, I will not listen to you. Sorry, I can't. I, I'm just distracted, right? We know what it's like to, I can hear your, you speak, but I won't actually pay attention. We all know what it's like to someone to be talking to somebody, and they say, oh, hold on, let me check. I got no, yeah, okay. Oh, oh, it's on my watch. Let me get, you know. You're, you're speaking to them, but they're not listening. They're not really letting your, your words sink in. Their, their mind is elsewhere. When you come to God's Word, does He have your attention? Are you focused? Are you letting it come on the inside? Are you letting it dwell in you? Or is it just bouncing off of you like seed on paths and rocky soil and among thorns, does it truly come on the inside? That's the difference in good fruit. It comes in, or soil that bears good fruit. And the way you know it's really working is that it multiplies at a supernatural rate. Every single time I read this parable, this is one of the most convicting parts of it. Did you hear the numbers on what happens to that seed that grows in good soil? 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. And I've read up on this. I mean, I don't know anything about growing crops, but apparently even in those days, a really good harvest was a 10-fold harvest. Like if you had a 10-fold harvest, people would have said, wow, that was a huge blessing. Jesus' numbers are 30, 60, and 100. His point is this is supernatural. This is a word of God when it comes in our hearts and it grows like it's supposed to and bears fruit, it is a supernatural multiplication, exponential growth in God's kingdom. I, I, I would feel more comfortable if there was some middle ground option. You know, if there was like the okay soil that had like a two to five fold, I'd be like, okay, I, I can be that group, you know. I'm just doing okay. Like, but there's not. It's either bad or exponential growth. That's all that we have to choose from. So many of us want to be lukewarm, mediocre, middle ground alternatives. And that doesn't exist in God's kingdom. You're in or you're out. That's all there is. When you're in, there is an exponential growth. He continues this chapter, Jesus, using some similar parables that help emphasize and help us understand what he's talking about. Verse 21, he compares his teaching to a lamp that's not hidden. His, his teaching is out on the table for all to see. It's a light that's going out in the kingdom. There were plenty of things about the Messiah that were not understood. They were hidden in the Old Testament. But now Jesus is saying, this is a parable He's teaching for all to see, for all to hear. You just got to come to the light to understand it. If you don't listen, things get worse. He says in verse 24, He's comparing it to a weight or a measure used 
to weigh out grain. He says how we listen will then be applied to us over and over again. So if we hear Jesus but never really listen, it eventually will be taken away. And we know this from our experience, don't we? For example, if someone has been coming to church for a while and they're just doing it to check a box, right? They're just here because they're just here. Or they just, you know, occasionally start opening their Bible because they're supposed to. You know how long that attitude lasts? <laughs> a little while. You, you, you can be motivated by just checking a box for some amount of time. But eventually, if, if that really never sinks in your heart, you'll give it up. And the word won't even, won't even be cast out on you anymore. He's saying, what, he says, if you, what, even what you have will be taken away. Verse 25, for the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. So if we're never, if we're never really letting the word of God into our lives... Even the occasions we hear it, eventually it's going to go away. But the opposite is also true. He says if we're truly listening to the Word of God, we'll continue to receive more of God's Word. We'll hear it better and understand it more and more. Verse 25, he says, For to the one who has, even more will be given. Which is another way of saying fruit multiplies. The more you dive into God's Word, the more time you spend with Him, it begins to multiply in your own life. You are hungry for the Word. You long for the Word. You desire to be with Jesus because you're with the Creator and the Savior of the world. And the more you know Him, the more you want to know Him. The more you spend time with Him, the more you want to spend time with Him. And certainly, I can attest to that in my own life. The more I, the more I grow in Him, the more I want to grow. But I'll be honest, those numbers still, they convict me. I still wrestle with that. I don't, sometimes I don't feel like what I'm doing is multiplying by 30 or 60 or 100. And I feel convicted. But Jesus offers us in these, other par- these last parables a little bit different perspective to help us understand what's, what's really going on here. Starting in verse 30, he compares the kingdom of God to a mustard seed. Now elsewhere in the New Testament, Jesus used the mustard seed as a way to apply to our faith, but this is a little something different. Listen to the way he describes his kingdom here. He says his kingdom is like a mustard seed that then sprouts and grows to become a large tree, a large shrub, big enough to give a home to all kinds of birds. What he's saying is that Jesus himself was just one small man, right? Just an average guy, lived 2,000 years ago. Just one of many criminals, supposedly, you know, crucified by the Roman Empire. Just one guy. And even after his death, burial, and resurrection and ascension, he had a group of about 120 people gathered in Acts, the book of Acts, the beginning, that were his followers. 120 people. Like, we have more members than that here at Infinity. Come on, Jesus, surely you could have done better than that. But he was one guy, 12 guys, 120 people. And within 300 years, that Roman Empire that the Jews wanted him to overthrow, the Roman Empire was Christian, all of them. It was the official religion. 2,000 years later from that one little guy, the entire world, we're on the opposite side of the world, and we follow that one guy. And that movement that he has started, Christianity, outlasted every other kingdom and nation that was during Jesus' day. One little mustard seed. Jesus is saying, he's he's got under control. He is the one who has planted the seed and is growing a kingdom to his own uh, glory and majesty. And then one more parable he gives it keeps me humble. He says, verse 20, I'm going to read this whole one, 26 to 29. The kingdom of God is, this, is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows, and he knows not how. 
The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. You see, like a plant, the kingdom grows as God directs it. As God directs it. God is the one who gives the growth. You and I should long to be that good soil that multiplies fruit 30, 60, 100 times. Where dozens of people come to know Him because of our testimony. Where our fruit, trans- our lives are transformed from anger and bitterness to joy and happiness and, and explaining to people and why I know, why I'm so much different. Where we've got the fruit of the Spirit in our lives like love and joy and peace and patience. That is fruit that should be multiplying. But you should be comforted in this. God is the one who gives the growth. God is the one who transforms hearts. God is the one who bears fruit. Do you know, if you just, if you just impacted just one of your children, one of your children, I mean, think about generations, the way this builds. I don't know about you, but I, I want to see results now. I live in the microwave generation, right? I, want, I live in the, I can Google everything from my phone generation. I want results now. But sometimes the kingdom of God starts with a man who's 90 years old like Abraham. And God's saying, you're going to have descendants all these stars. And when Abraham has one child, just one, Isaac, and through him, after generation after generation, God blesses. We've got to trust God sometimes to do His work, to bear His fruit in His timing. Because you know what we do when we plant seeds? We plant it, we water it, we fertilize it. You know what we do to make it grow? Nothing. We can't make it grow. Only God can make it grow. We seek the multiplication. We desire, we seek after proclaiming God's word and sharing it far and wide. But only God can give the growth. Which is why we pray for the harvest. We pray to God because He's the one in charge. Jesus is giving us a taste of how His kingdom works, how the power of the seed really works. Because we should know that Jesus Himself is the Word, and He was sown, buried, and that's when the power really began, because He came back to life. Jesus is like a seed. Jesus died and resurrected to give us life. John 12, 24, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. Uh, it, it remains uh, alone, but if it dies, it bears much fruit. You, Jesus could have come as a sword that came and defeated every military power around him. He could have come as a hammer that built the biggest empire of all the walls and buildings and, and all these things with, with all the things he could have built. But instead he came as a seed. You know what happens if you put a, a sword in the ground or a, a hammer in the ground and you, you cover it with dirt and you water it and you fertilize it and you make sure it's got enough sunlight? You know what happens? Nothing. <laughs> but if you put a really good seed in the soil and you water it and you fertilize it and make sure it has enough sunlight and God so chooses, then there can grow an oak tree that can make millions of more acorns. Millions of them. And lasts for hundreds of years. Jesus came not as a sword, not as a hammer, but He came in humility. And He came to give His life to be planted in the ground so that by His resurrection, 
He could give life to billions that follow Him. Are you listening to God's Word? Is the seed that's being sown coming into your heart? Are you receiving it as God intended? If so, then you're bearing fruit. You're going to give, you're going to enjoy and share in the life that He has promised. And that fruit will multiply wherever He sends us. Let's pray. Father, we come to You today humble and acknowledging we cannot on our own bear any fruit at all. God, we confess that we have so often sought after things of this world, rejected Your Word, not let roots grow deeply in our hearts. We have done so many things, God, to turn away from You. And we don't deserve one more seed to be sown into our hearts. But God, we come to You today grateful because we just had time in Your Word. You are still sowing seed to us, and we see that as grace upon grace. God, may You, on Your divine will and divine plan, may You grow that seed in us. And may it transform our lives. May it multiply wherever You send us. Lord, send us out as ones that can bear fruit because we know you. In Christ's name, amen. During our closing song, I invite you, you can come and pray at the altar, you can pray there. But I invite you to open your heart to God's will for your life and how that seed wants to bear fruit. Let's sing.